We are going to move into a, a series here. It's a four-week series uh, in the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk. How many Habakkuks do I have in here, like where you say Habakkuk? We had this huge discussion on staff. Habakkuk, how many Habakkuks do I have? Okay. Habak- I thought you were Habakkuk, Holly. Did I- okay. She's both, yeah. She's, she's a flip-flopper. Um, no, it's, you know, I, I think, you know, as I watch scholarly people, I've seen, it seems like they say Habakkuk, and it just sounds more, you know, refined, you know. So I'm going to use the word Habakkuk today just to, so it sounds, you know, more refined. Uh, but I'll probably flip-flop as well because I get confused. But in any case, I'm talking about the same book. So in your Bibles, um, turn into, or we could call it Habba, and the cuck is silent, and you could just go there. So turn into Habakkuk, Habakkuk, uh, chapter 1. And again, we're, this is going to be a four-week series today. How many here, like, how many have ever gone swimming in a swimming pool? A few. Okay, good. I trust people at home are raising your hands as well because uh, you need to participate. But if you have, typically when you approach a swimming pool, especially if it's a little cooler outside, um, now I know there's two or three people in here who are cannonballers and just go straight for it, but most people, when they approach a swimming pool, what do they do, Right? You're going to kind of come to the edge. You're going to kind of look, scope it out, you know. Okay, the sun's coming from this angle. And you just kind of like, you just want to kind of dip. And about half of the room falls in by accident. We, or your kids help push you in. Um, but you just want to test the water, right? Kind of see what you're dealing with. Well, I want you to think of today and today's message as we're going to dip our toe into Habakkuk. And we're just going to kind of get a, a feel for it. And then in the next three weeks, it's only three chapters long. And it is in your Bible, by the way. Uh, it's in the middle. It's this tiny little, if you're flipping through, you might just blow right past it, but it is in there, and we are just going to spend, then we'll spend the next three weeks kind of unpacking each chapter, okay? So today is going to be a little introduction, a little overview, a little dip the toe in the water, so to speak. So uh, if you have your Bibles and your phones, or if you have your actual Bibles, um, turn there, and we're going to read uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 as we start our time today. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we once again come before you, and we thank you for just today. I thank you for this opportunity just to share your word. Lord, I thank you for, again, just the folks that are here in person, but also those watching online. Lord, I I pray that your uh, word will go forth today, that it will land on good soil. God, that you would speak to our hearts And God, ultimately, that will change our lives. Lord, let us just become more aware of you and your presence and just be here in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So maybe some of you have heard of this phrase. Um, If you've ever been the bearer of bad news, especially when it's not at any fault of your own, but you were just carrying this news to somebody, um, a lot of times we show up in that situation and we say a phrase and we kind of put our hands up and we say, listen, don't shoot the messenger, right? You're just carrying the message um, to somebody. It's not necessarily a decision that you had made, but again, you know, affectionately, I, I call this also uh, middle management, right? 
Anybody in middle management or ever been in middle management where you have a boss and you have some folks that you kind of oversee and the boss is basically like, listen, we're making some cutbacks. You're going to have to just decide the fate of, you know, some people and you're going to have to let them go. Anybody have to have to deal that kind of information to somebody? It's not a fun place to be, is it? And you know, I don't think anybody in here would shoot their hand up and say, I want that job. I want to make that decision. I want to tell that person that, you know, we've got to let you go. It's just not a fun thing to do. And, and really, this, in essence, in, at least in my mind, uh, this is really what a prophet was back in the Old Testament. This was not a fun job because this prophet, prophets would be the ones that carried God's word, that they would carry the news from God or, or what he wanted, his heart. He, they would carry that to the people. Now, again, imagine, you know, we have, we have the word of God. We have a Bible that we read, and even that's challenging at times, too. Even, and we can be certain what it says, right? It can be challenged, but imagine you're the one that has to deliver some challenging things. And so this is really the life of the Old Testament prophets. They were God's spokesmen. And so, again, just a quick, just giving you a snapshot because I'm not going to assume everybody's starting from the same place. But in the Bible, we have four major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then there's what's called 12 minor, minor prophets. And that's Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, uh, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, and Habakkuk. Okay? Anybody have a family? If you guys need a family names, there's the whole lineup if you want to go for it. Let me know if you cross that finish line. Um, but again, so in, in these, these uh, distinctions between major prophets and minor prophets, it's not because based on significance, but instead it's due to the, the length of their perspective books, okay? So understand that. So you have these prophets throughout uh, Scripture in the Old Testament, and so just to kind of understand, this is sort of what we're dealing with. I hope that helps. Um, just to kind of look at the timeline here, again, very different time in one sense uh, date-wise, but I think as we go through I think you're going to see that there's a lot of parallels going on back then as we see now, even in our society now. And so the time that this is taking place, that this book is speaking of, um, it, it mentions the Babylonians. And so it's estimated that it's around the end of the 7th century B.C., okay, that this was written. Um, if you track lineages, it'd be towards the end of Josiah's reign. And it was just before the collapse of Judah, all right? So Israel-Judah split. Two kingdoms, Israel collapsed, and then Judah hung on for a little longer. Well, it's right towards the end of that. So as you can imagine, as society is collapsing, it's not a pleasant time. The main idea of this book is, is a scripture that I think you're going to find familiar because it's repeated oftentimes uh, in the New Testament, and it's this, and it's in chapter 2, verse 4. It's a very simple phrase. It's the righteous shall live by faith alone. Now, I don't know if maybe you didn't realize that this, this is where that came from, this phrase. But the righteous shall live by faith alone. This other guy that had quite a hand in uh, the New Testament named Paul, again, maybe you've heard of him, but he, he referenced back to this scripture a number of times. Uh, three, in three of his letters to the Romans and the Hebrews as well as to the Galatians, he makes reference to this. And in Galatians 3.11, for example... He says, now it is evident that no one is justified 
before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Now, for some, maybe you're disappointed in that, meaning like, oh man, I, you know, I'm, all the stuff I'm doing is not measuring up. Well, I think you'll be happier if you really grasp hold of the fact that it's by faith alone that we are saved. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's faith alone. And so we see, again, that Habakkuk is where this came from and when it was first uh, penned. And actually, we just celebrated the Reformation, right, uh, yesterday. And so how many celebrated that? How many knew that? Okay, well, if you didn't, hey, there's a free piece of information for you. Um, but we celebrated the Reformation yesterday, and actually uh, the Reformers christened Habakkuk as the grandfather, if you will, of the Reformation because of this verse that is by faith alone. And so, again, very pivotal, even, even the fact that we are sitting where we're sitting and the way that our church runs and operates, it's, it's kind of cool how it connects all the way back, right, to this, this statement. Just to give you a quick breakdown of Habakkuk uh, and just kind of how, how we're going to proceed through it. Um, as we look at the three chapters, you can, you can kind of title each one, if you will. Uh, first, there's a burden, okay? We're going to see this next week, this burden that Habakkuk is, is carrying. And we'll see some of it today as well. And then we're going to see a vision. Uh, and then we're going to, at the end, see this prayer where he kind of lands. Uh, the way, we'll kinda, the way I, I've, I've titled each message is first, next week, we'll talk about faith tested. How many know here that faith if we're honest, I mean, it's not something we'd probably love to say or raise our hand to, but faith isn't really faith until it's tested, is it? It's easy to build a bridge across the canyon and say, yeah, this is the best thing ever. But you're, it's easy to say that until you actually are the one that has to go out and walk across that thing, right? It's all rickety and cracking and stuff. They used to do this when I worked on helicopters, right? Every now and then they would randomly select you if you've done work on a helicopter and say, oh, by the way, you're going to go on the test flight on this. Did I tighten that one, one nut just, just enough? It makes you think, but it keeps you honest, right? It's like, okay, let's, let's test this now. Let's see where your faith is. And so faith tested is our first, uh, the place we're going to start with the first chapter. And then we're going to move to what's called, what I've called faith taught. Okay, we're going to see kind of God in his loving way teach uh, Habakkuk. And then finally we'll see faith triumphant. Habakkuk is unique, all right? It's unique. Besides just saying it uh, in multiple ways, Habakkuk is unique in that we do not find a scene in Habakkuk where he's directly speaking to the people, right? We kind of like the Wizard of Oz, you know, and if you remember the man behind the curtain, you get to pull the curtain back and see what's happening. Uh, we get this sort of intimate moment, this, this, this never-before-seen thing where we see this conversation, conversation between the prophet and God. And we see this glimpse of, wow, these are like real people. They have questions. They, 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 they struggle with some of these things. And so we get this snapshot of that, and I think it's very helpful for us. Um, we get, it's just a candid conversation. And now, again, Habakkuk, if you study it, if you, if you, you know, I don't know what you do with your free time, but if you want to study, you know, some of the old prophets, but study Habakkuk, but you'll find very quickly is we just don't know a ton about Habakkuk. There's just not a lot out there. But here's a few uh, just fun facts. The, the name Habakkuk is said to have an unusual Hebrew form. Uh, some Jewish rabbis have linked it to a word for embrace, all right, to embrace. 
And as we go through this, you're going to see sort of it kind of makes sense and it kind of fits this idea of embracing what God has. Other factors uh, point us to his birth happening uh, during the dark reign of King Manasseh. Uh, so that's something we can, you know, again, we're just trying to pinpoint where he fits in and, and, and kind of his background. But we can make one very clear distinction, and it comes in verse 1 there, and that is that he is a prophet. Um, if you're not sure, just look at verse 1 in the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. So, again, he's writing this, but he's making it very clear that he is a prophet, and that is very critical as we study this because he wanted to be clear that this message that he is sharing and writing in this book was divinely authorized. This is not something like, hey, I, I, I got this great idea. Let me just write this down, like a, a journal entry or something about my time with God. But no, this is something that needed to be in Scripture, that needed to, to go forward. And so, and it's reinforced also, this, this idea that he is a prophet by this word saw. And again, this is not a visual, like with your eyeballs see, but he is seeing things spiritually to share to us and to the people that were reading his writings. One thing appears clear about Habakkuk, even if it too rests on inference rather than clear statements from the text, and that's this. Habakkuk was a person of great faith and great courage who dared take the theological teaching of his day and test it against the experiences of his own personal life. Now, we can be honest here, right? I mean, you are in church, so hopefully... Hopefully we cleared that up when you came in, but um, I, I don't know about you, but there's oftentimes I read scripture, and I, I read through scripture, and I read something, and I get it, and I believe it with all my heart, and I know it to be true, but there's often these times where it's really hard as we look at the world around us, or we look at maybe some of the situations that we're facing in our life right now, and it's hard to kind of bring those two things together, isn't it? God, you know, if, if, you are, if you are good and you are all powerful and, and you know, you're, you're all these things and you love me and you love us, and you created us, when I take a look at what's happening around me, I, I, I struggle at times. And that's, I believe, the heart of, of what you're going to hear from Habakkuk is He's trying to take what he knows to be true of God, but with the realities he's seeing with his own eyes and trying to say, okay, God, I'm trying to make sense of this. Will you meet me here in this place and help me to understand? And that's a very, very important thing, but it's, it's an honest thing, isn't it? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I think if, I, if we were bold enough, I think we could all raise our hands to say, you know what, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to understand God's will. It's hard to understand, you know, when you see maybe a young child struggling with a, a disease that they should never have to deal with, but they are, to, to pair that up with the fact that God is loving and good, right? And so let's just keep that in mind as we, we press forward here. So again, going back to verse 1 there, it it's begins with this, this word, an oracle, the oracle, right? An oracle is a divinely given, given message. It's, that's the simple definition. It means it came from God. And it's the same word that in Nahum is translated burden. 
And again, I think if we're looking at this picture of a prophet and, and what a prophet would have to do and sometimes carry this hard word, we can see where a burden is a fitting term, can't we? They had to carry this. And they, again, they weren't always the, the most liked person. So a lot of times they would be like, really, I've I got to do this? I've got to say this? But they knew that they needed to be obedient to God. So in most situations, prophets, again, they'd have to deliver these hard words, and they had to carry these things. And a prophet had to live in the tension between uh, what oftentimes were a, kind of a wicked, hard-necked, stiff-necked people, as, as the Bible says, and a holy God, Right? They had to live sort of in the tension of in-between where, you know, they're communing with God, they're hearing from God, but then they've got to also, they're, they're part of the people. Just, it's that simple. And in the, in the military, I remember very clearly there's, for, for at least for the Army, it's, it's a little different from branch to branch, but you start as a private, what's called a private. It's like the low, 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 low. You do things, Yeah. I think I've mentioned before, you know, you dig a hole and, or you move sand from here to here, and then the next day they just have you move the sand back to the same spot. And anything that's not fun is, is your job. And then as you make the ranks, you go to private first class, but then you come to this beautiful place called a specialist, okay? And that's right before you make sergeant, before you become a non-commissioned officer. And again, specialist is just the promised land of the military because you're not at the bottom, Right? But you're not quite yet to the area where you have to be responsible for anything. So people have low expectations of you, which is awesome. You know, they just don't, they're just not looking for you to do a whole lot, and, and yet you're not the private. So it's just you kind of live in this utopia, right? And what happens, though, is you, you end up, the way it works is you go to a board, so you have to sit in front of people, and then you become, you know, if you pass the board, you become what's called promotable. So now you're eligible to become a sergeant, but you've got to wait. There's, like, points and stuff, and it's all going to line up. So you sit in this promotable land, which is the opposite of utopia. It's, it's horrible because what happens is it's like, you know, like you're a teenager. How many teenagers are here? Got some here, right? So now if I'm wrong, go ahead and throw something at me. But, you know, teenagers, it's, again, you're sort of like, okay, this is cool. I, I can handle some responsibility, but I, I still... I want my freedoms, but, but what happens is you're not given, like, the keys to the car, right? Maybe, I don't know if some of you, maybe. But you're not given the keys. You're not quite there yet. But what happens, like, in the military is whenever there's that duty that you have to do, that job on the weekend that none of the sergeants want to do, now you're responsible enough to handle that. And so you've got to do that, but you're still not, you don't get the respect of being a sergeant. You understand? But you're still... Then when there's other times when it's beneficial to be a sergeant or be that, then it doesn't count, right? So you're not an adult yet. So it's kind of like this in-between, and it's, it's not a fun place to be. And at least in my mind, that's where the prophet lands, right? A prophet has to just be in this tension of, okay, I, I serve God, I know God, I know what his word is and what he's saying, but I can't really be kind of mixing with the people over here because... You know, I'm the prophet, and so I have to be the guy that bears the bad news in times. And so, again, as we said earlier, it's like this middle management position. And so as Habakkuk starts in, in, in chapter 1 there, very quickly in verse 2, we get to this, this first problem or this question that Habakkuk has. 
all right? And it goes, it goes like this. And we sang this song today, O, o Lord, How Long, O Lord, right? And it comes from this, this, this section, and it's this. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? How long shall I cry for help, O Lord, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Now, I hope you're hearing what, what's being said here. I hope as, you, as we spend some time just being in this, this passage, you can begin to sense the frustration in where, where Habakkuk is. He's struggling. He's struggling to make sense. He's struggling, God, where are you? And this is a prophet, right? He hears from God, but he's struggling. And he says in verse 3, Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. And so the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Does it sound familiar? As we look around just kind of where things are at in, our, in the world, but also in our country today. How long, this, 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 these two words, how long, this echoes really from the Psalms. You see this a lot as well. It's just this, this crying out where, again, there's, this is not a like next day kind of thing, right? When something, we pray for something, or God to do something, the next day, you know, it hasn't happened yet. It's, this is not the case. This is something that's gone on for a long time period of time that, that Habakkuk has wrestled, if you will, with God, has brought to God many, many times, and he's carrying this for this long period, he's, and it's still you know, resonating with him. How long, Lord? How many of you have been praying prayers today that have lasted beyond weeks or months or maybe even years? Maybe praying for a loved one, maybe whatever the situation, maybe praying for a change in, in what you're, you know, to for your job or whatever it is. How long, Lord? How long must I continue? Do you not see me? Faith is painfully aware, okay, of the tension of our confession that our God is just and powerful while watching evil apparently win. And this is where our cry like Habakkuk's comes from. Why, O Lord, will you not hear or respond? Again, this idea of, God, you're good, but then why is this happening right now? Why is this not changing right now? This word here, for example, violence in this, in this passage, it comes from a, a, the word Hamas, right? Hamas. And if you're thinking of that word, you're probably going to the Pal Palestinian terrorist organization, right, called Hamas, because that's what they believe is violence. That's what, what solves it. And in verse 4, we just see this, this corruption, right? What happens when things become corrupt? What happens when what's supposed to be right is not? Again, having lived in the Middle East, I can tell you the court systems there are not good. Because it only takes a few corrupt people to make an accusation against you, and you're automatically guilty. Justice doesn't exist. There's, again, these, these horrific things that take place when they should not be. And today, and we live in a society today that 
we just see, again, there's just so many things that are just wrong. Am I the only one that sees this or experiences this, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I watch things. I'm like, how can we come to a place where this is said to be right or good? We live in a society today that celebrates the freedom to terminate a life both inside and outside the womb to the tune of over 60 million lives since 1973. This is what I would call perverted justice. 60 million. And again, and we've arrived and we've become woke now because we can celebrate the fact that we can even do it to a baby that's outside the womb. How long, O oh Lord? How long must we watch horrific things happen and be done and said that, hey, this is great. Let's celebrate. In our Western culture, we oftentimes feel that God is to justify himself to us, right? He's to justify himself to us for because our judgment is, is needed and, and we are the ones that can say it's acceptable or not. In our culture, again, I think too many times, we just like, you know, God, why don't you lay out your plan? Uh, I thought I'd come here and just spend some time with you. I just thought you could kind of give me the the, the short version, because I don't have a lot of time. And I just want you to lay your plan out for me, and then let me just take a look. Maybe maybe I can give you some, some pointers or some advice, you know, maybe how to handle this over here a little better. How many times, if we're honest, i got to keep prefacing that, if we're honest, do we approach God that way? We're not approaching God. See, the, the, the spirit or the, the, behind Habakkuk and the way he's approaching God is, God, I just don't understand, and I just need you to, will you just give me a glimpse or just let me understand a glimpse of what you're doing? That's not the approach that we tend to do things, especially here in the Western culture. We are not... I'm getting, sorry, I'm going to go. Make sure you put your toes out there. I'm going to step on them. But we, are, we just don't follow rules well, do we? Oh, you want to tell me what I need? You think, oh, okay. We want to do our own thing, right? We want to do our own thing, and we are not going to submit or follow hardly anything. There's something called... Um, Verbal compliance, active noncompliance. Just keep looking at me. They won't know it's you. Just watch here. Right? We say, okay, somebody tells you, you're going to go this way. And you're like, okay. And you just walk this way, right? So verbal compliance, active noncompliance. It's very easy to say, yes, okay, we'll do that. Uh, hey, it's the season. How about politicians? Right? Well, you guys got really quiet on me. Um, but they're notorious, right? They say all these things to get elected, and then the follow-through just, you know, rolling the dice a little bit. But we're all wired that, especially in, in the Western culture. We just don't want to be told what to do. We are our own boss, even if we work for somebody else. 
And so, again, this idea of coming to God in the right attitude is key, is critical here. I shared in the first service, um, you know, again, with your, if you have children or work with children or no children or have borrowed a child before, you, you find out very quickly, I, he's probably watching now too, so. Um, anyway, one of my sons, right now we're having these discussions like almost every day of it's, it's, it's not that you have questions, it's just when you approach me and you like kind of flare up and you're like, okay, or something like that, there's this, this thing inside of me, like the Sergeant Motter inside of me that wants to just kind of erupt and, and come out and, and help him to understand through the laying on of hands because I'm a pastor. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's the approach, it's the attitude, right? It's not like, I don't mind, you know, if, if one of my kids wants to come to me and say, you know, Dad, listen, can I just talk to you? Sure. You know, you made this decision, and this, I want to do this, and you know, could you just kind of explain, I, I'm having a hard time. Well, I'd, I'd love to sit down with you and tell you why, you know, I can, we can do that, and, you know, and after we have that real serious talk, and at the end of it, you know, I'm like, so it just kind of boils down to, you know, because I said so, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to say? No? Okay. But no, we, we, we do. If, 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 you're, if you're a son or daughter or, or a student or whoever, somebody approaches you and they just say, you know, I just, I'm having a hard time understanding. Can you help me? Most of the time, unless we're jerks, you know, we'll just say, well, let me unpack that for you. And this is why. Well, because I love you. I care for you. I've been down the road. You're thinking about going down, and it does not end well. And so it may be painful now, but I'll, I'll want you to understand why. I'm not just doing it to be mean, but it's because I love you, right? It's a very different approach, and so it's a very different answer. And so, again, this is the approach that Habakkuk is having. He's coming to God and saying, God, I'm struggling right now. I need your help to understand. And this, this phrase right here, this, this, these few words right here I want you to take today, and it's this. His faith was seeking understanding. His faith was seeking understanding. And there is absolutely nothing wrong when you and your walk with God and your faith and you are just seeking understanding. That's a good thing, right? We do not... You don't want to be like, we're not going to be blind like robots. God wants to have relationship with us, and we, in our faith, oftentimes come to a place where we're just seeking to understand. And God respects and honors this. You see, Habakkuk, he refused to just have the faith of his fathers without his own reflection. Right? We have to walk through some of these things. It's not easy. We can't live on our, our parents' faith, if you will. We have to have our own faith, and we're going to have our questions. And so to walk with God in this way is, is, is understandable. Faith is never blind acceptance, is it? It's not just a blind acceptance. It's to have questions and doubts does not equate to unbelief. But the reality is, church, is, is how often, if, again, I keep saying if we're honest, sorry, but it's just because I think we can just blow by these things without thinking about them. But how, when was the last time you had to live by faith? When was the last time you had to like literally, literally live by faith? We are a blessed nation. 
And when I say blessed, I mean by God, but financially, you know, we don't, we don't need, for, even, you know, on the lower echelons of income, most people have a meal. Most people have, you know, water and, and electricity. Again, if I asked you today and the lights are off in here and I said, hey, would you mind going over and, and, and turning the lights on? How many of you would go on a 21-day fast to see if, if, you know, to build the faith that, that the electricity, the lights are going to come on when you push that button? Anybody? No, right? Because there's not a whole lot of faith required when you walk up to a light switch. If you know that you've paid the electric bill and it's got a bulb in that light, you know that when you push that button, that light's going to come on, right? So again, this, it's kind of a snapshot of really our lives here. There's so many things that are instant gratification. Instant gratification. Right now, if you're thinking about, you know, a Whopper or whatever it is, you know, whatever you want to eat after, after service today, if you want to buy something, you know, most of us have the means to go out and do that, right? When as soon as we, you could get up and leave right now. Everybody watch, make sure nobody walks out. But you could leave right now and go do that thing, right? You could get in your car because you have a vehicle or at least you know somebody maybe, and you, could, you don't have to walk 20 miles. Again, we just don't live in a society where faith is required of much, is it? But faith is required by God, and the way that our faith grows is by things to be delayed, is by when we have to go through that stretch of uncertainty Again, it's the building the bridge, but then crossing it. That's where your faith will grow. The struggle we see Habakkuk having is between what he believed of God and what he was witnessing in the world around him. Okay? Violence and corruption were rampant in Judah at this time. After King Josiah, everything went downhill. And so these questions, why was a holy and just God, his tolerance level so high with his people, why was there no intervention? This question, maybe many of you have asked, God, where are you? But it is in that question that our faith is being refined, that our faith is growing as we walk through that and we trust God. This question is really what allows the weight of the burden to grow, doesn't it? The longer we wait, the burden just seems to get heavier and heavier. But our faith, if we allow it, is growing to become stronger and stronger. So I ask you today, how is it with you today? Where are you at today in this faith walk? As you see the things with your eyes, as you watch what's happening around, and whether it's in your personal life or just what you see on TV, in the news, where are you at with that? In your walk with God, what you know Scripture says, and is your faith today seeking understanding? Are you approaching God saying, God, I want to understand and I want to know? Are you struggling to connect your belief today of who you know God to be and what you are seeing happen all around you. As the musicians come, I want to talk about something just for a moment. 
It's a word you don't hear very much these days. It's the word lament. Lament. It's not a popular word anyway to begin with, but it's just not one we hear very often. A life lived by faith is often a life filled with lament. A pouring out of one's honest emotions to God. And as I was thinking about this word, I started thinking about, you know, when I've gone through loss, you know, when my parents passed away, or, or for example. But there's something in our culture that wants to bypass discomfort. We want to bypass, when we hit these moments where there's this great sadness, when we lose a loved one, perhaps. It's kind of, I don't know how, how you felt, but it, it's just, I feel like this pressure to just sort of get, get past it, right? We don't want to sit there for this long period of time and, and, and kind of work through the emotion and the sorrow and the pain. If you want an example, look at, look at what happened when all this stuff kicked off back in April, right? And we were stuck and we just were, we had these moments of like, what in the world is happening? And there's fear and agreement. So what, what, is, what does our culture do? What did our uh, society do? Well, um, they, you know, we, here we got legalized marijuana, right? So we can escape that way. Um, the porn industry reached out to everyone and offered free pornography, you know, so that you can just kind of make it all feel better. Um, what else? Oh, antidepressants sales skyrocketed. What do those things point to? What's, what's happening? It's an escapism from facing the realities of what's in front of us. The minute that we feel discomfort, I feel right now I'm kind of hot up here. I feel like heat because of these lights. And I was like, man, I wish these fans were on. You know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable and my body wants immediate, like I want it fixed now. I do not want to be uncomfortable. And really lament is that, right? It's this sorrow that comes that it's the, the thing we don't want to be friends with, right? We don't want to know it well. But if you want to grow in your faith, lament must become a friend of yours. Because it makes us seek to go deeper in our relationship with God. It makes us seek those deeper answers. What are we, why are we praying and fasting right now? Why are those things connected? Can you pray for 21 days without fasting? Yes, the answer is yes. Yes, right? Why do we tie fasting to it? Because it puts our flesh down. It's making our flesh do what we tell it to. And it opens up the ability and it opens up our awareness and our spirit of what God is saying and doing, right? And so I encourage you to not bypass seasons of struggle of trial, even what we're facing now, no matter what happens on Tuesday, listen, God is in control. God, I, I, sorry, I just need to say this. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but God, you know, when we say, you know, God is good, everybody says good, God is good and all the time and all that stuff. I changed it once and because I was like, I don't like this because I just feel like everybody just says it. Don't, I'm not judging you, don't worry. Um, maybe two of you. But I feel like we just respond and we just say it, but I don't think we know what we're saying. Anyway, I changed it. I said, you know what? Instead of God is good, out of good, I said, drop one of the O's and what do you get? God is God. 
And at the end of the day, guess what? On Tuesday night or Wednesday or however long the craziness goes on, at the end of every single day and every single moment of every single breath that you take, God is God. Our faith does not rest in Washington, D.C. or Springfield or in any man or any woman or any person who has fallen and by nature. Our hope and our, our everything that we have in our future is in God and God alone. And frankly, if I'm a pastor, I, oh, I am one. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter what happens in this election. I'm sick and tired of watching Christians go this way or this way. Amen. God is still in control. And it's not all about the United States either. There's a big world out there. And God is doing things all over the world today that you could not even imagine. And what you're going to find in this series as we go through Habakkuk is you're going to see that God is going to be doing things. He's like, you're not going to understand that little intro video. You couldn't grasp what I am doing. Why? Because I do not need your approval because I am God and I will do what I want. Amen. Amen. True prayer is a dialogue with God, church. It is bringing our needs, bringing our concerns to God, and waiting for him to respond. And I want to close with this scene today. As we, again, we go into this week, and Lord only knows what's going to happen. But it's a scene of a garden a long time ago. And a group of men who had been chosen to follow this one man for about three years, who saw him perform miracles, who saw him do great things, who sat at his feet, listened to his teachings, and realized and saw that this truly is the Son of God. And in that garden, they watched this man be arrested, taken away to a corrupt court, who gave him the verdict of guilty, who then took him stripped him of his dignity and his clothes and beat him to within an inch, a fraction of an inch of his life. Could not even recognize as flesh was literally being ripped away from his body. And the disciples are sitting there watching this happen. And they're saying, what is happening right now? No matter how much he had taught them, no matter how much he tried to prepare them, they're watching this unfold. Okay, well, he's at this place now. Maybe, maybe now is, is the, big, the big reveal, right? Next thing you know, they're watching him be nailed to a cross. Okay, maybe, maybe this is the moment. He gives up his last breath. A spear into his side seals the deal. And then I just imagine as they're bringing his body, his lifeless body that's shredded down and begin to wrap it. And the finality that that must have felt, been felt in that moment as his body was laid to rest in the tomb. Like, this is not the way it's supposed to go. What do we do? Now, we get the benefit of flipping a few pages, right? And we get to see the outcome three days later. But I bet... If, 
if we're, if we're really looking at it and being honest about it, I bet that what they felt is far greater than whatever it is we're feeling now. Helpless, hopeless, and just what do we do now? But we know what happened on the third day, amen? And we know that all of that had to be done as part of God's plan. God's plan to save you and me. And so I just want to leave you today with that image. That image of the cross. We celebrate it today. But again, as we sing in the hymn, you know, it's, it was a symbol of suffering and shame. But look what God did. And look what God can do. And imagine through this time of uncertainty and doubt that God is working on our behalf. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here it is. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for, Lord, again, just this, this moment. God, as we've been learning, Lord, through this, uh, just these past months, Lord God, just to be present, for Father God, in this moment, I pray that each one here and each one watching today realizes and understands and senses your peace, Lord, the peace of God that passes all understanding. God, whatever is to come, whether it's this week, this year, Lord, it's not a surprise to you. God, you are God, and you are sovereign, and you are holy, and you are over all. So God, as a God who holds literally the universe in the palm of your hand, God, we trust you. Forgive us, Father, where we have taken what's rightfully yours and the responsibility that's yours and the control that's yours and try to take it on ourselves. God, forgive us where we have really tried to be God. We don't want to say that, but God, that's, that's our heart. And so, Lord, I just pray for each one today. God, as we enter into this week and, and again, the the weeks ahead, God, just that we would just have a very real sense of your peace and your hand upon our lives. God, I thank you just that you are going before us, and God, that, again, your church, Lord, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so, Lord, we just trust that you have called us by name, for this time, for a purpose and a reason. God, let us look to you as our everything, as our hope, as our supplier, as our all. God, we trust you and we thank you that you love us and that you care for us. And God, we just look forward to the next few weeks as we spend some time, Lord, in Habakkuk, Lord God, and God, I pray just that it's able to resonate with our hearts, that we're able to just to see, Lord God, the parallels between then and now. And God, that you would minister to us. 
through this series, Father. Thank you, Lord, for today and what you've accomplished, Lord, according to your will. In Jesus' name.